0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we are going to be talking, Jim and I are going to be talking about the anniversary, 15th anniversary of one Martin Scorsese movie, The Departed, uh, which was unleashed to North American audiences on October 6, 2006. It's directed by Martin Scorsese, screenplay by William Monaghan, based on the Hong Kong movie Infernal Affairs by Alan Mock and Felix Chong. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Motherfucking Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, President Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, very sexy beast Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga. You've seen her a lot in the Conjuring movies of late, uh, and Alec Baldwin, uh, very 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 hot, very sexy, very very chunky, uh, Alec Baldwin in this uh, this this movie. Right. Um. Yeah. I have seen this movie once before around the time it came out and I didn't think much of it. I've got some reasons why that might be, but I was truly blown away. Like I had forgotten a lot of the twists and turns. I remembered the ending of the movie. Yeah, but I didn't remember who was holding what gun and who was on what (laughs) end and all that kind Uh of stuff. So like I so I was like just enthralled and the acting is just off the fucking charts. Good amongst all the leads here. Um, Have you seen The Departed, Jim? And what did you think
1: of uh, this time through it? Uh, Yeah, I have seen The Departed. It's been a while, so I was happy to revisit it this time. Uh, I definitely remember thinking it was good before, but I was extra impressed with it this time. I think it it does feel like a Scorsese movie in in, the ways that he starts his movies with voiceovers and flashbacks to you know kids being (laughs) integrated into the mob stuff like that um but then it also does a lot of like back and forth really tightly plotted scenes where it's moving between three or four different plots at the same time and you're just kind of expected to keep up and it doesn't really i I guess like the biggest surprise for me the second time around was how it doesn't really hide much from the audience. I I remember this movie like hiding a lot more about the identities of these characters for longer in the mm-hmm. film, but mm-hmm. it just gets right to it. it. It's yeah, it has an obvious hook. It's like the bad guy is pretending to be a good guy, the good guy is pretending to be a bad guy. That's the hook, and will they figure each other out? Right, yeah. and it just goes with that for two and a half hours, and it state it. It really works. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I don't think, even though. There are like five endings to this movie, um but it eventually gets True. to the ending that you want. so i I don't know. I really, really like this movie this time around. Have you seen Infernal Affairs in which this is
0: based? I haven't no It's funny because Infernal Affairs is a slim trim, like ninety minutes. This is almost two and a half hours long. This movie is yeah. almost an hour longer than the original. And when I watched it, like, I haven't seen Infernal Affairs. I'm dying to watch it. I'm definitely going to watch it sometime in the next week or so. Um, But as I was watching it, I felt like this was the least Scorsese movie, Scorsese movie I've seen. Like, in some of the camera moves, like, I felt like it was recognizably Hong Kong. There's a couple things where we're tracking envelopes through the crowd, which felt very. I don't remember. That was one of the original criticisms of this film. Like, this is essentially kind of like a shot for shot remake of The Departed. I don't know how that's literally true because I did some research and apparently Martin Scorsese had no idea that this was based on Infernal Affairs when he optioned the script. And when he found out he refused to watch the original movie until he had filmed his own. So like all these things where I thought were like clear homages and pastiches of some of this uh, Hong Kong filmmaking, I guess were accidental or maybe because like you look, it's like, so much of this stuff involves like Chinatown and Boston and involves like a rival Chinese. And I'm like, oh, this has got to be just like literally. But I guess not. So I think I, I can't wait to see the original to see, um you know, like like how lifted it feels. But like any of those coincidence, any of those similarities must be kind of coincidence or the fact that the script you know, Hughes quite quite closely to the original. Although you got an hour, extra he's full of
1: bullshit too. I mean, he, he could just this be lying true. about it, right? I mean, That's half true. of this movie is about lying to get by. So, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to do
0: that. also a, a a brief note. Um, if you're follow uh, Bald Move on Twitter, you might know that a couple weeks back I did a Twitter poll because it turns out the Training Day you know Ethan Hawke and uh, Denzel Washington um King Kong's got nothing on on those gentlemen that movie came out the exact same week 20 years ago and yeah. we were like really I was like man these are both well regarded movies be fun to which which one should we do departed 1 2 to 1 but we decided fuck it we're going to do training day the the week after anyway so if you were disappointed that that loss in the poll then take heart we're going to get around to training day as well um Uh, Yeah, I again, I watched this movie back in 2006 um, and this would be kind of I guess I was a new father and I, you know, was still kind of in my old life. And I remember like I used to not like movies where the good guys didn't win. Hmm. Like I used to hate stuff like, you know, I felt like Braveheart was ruined by the last 10 minutes of it. Right. You know, I just didn't like I just didn't like it when people did the right things and made sacrifices and did noble sacrifice. I find the older I get the more I think that stuff is poignant and mm-hmm. it works really well and god damn this I feel like this movie is so satisfying it's such a a tightly wound almost hitchcockian movie dealing with like paranoia yeah. and double identity and it's such there's so much mirror images and symmetry in this movie mm-hmm. uh that i admired it like as a pe like i was able to admire it as a piece of art just in the like you know because i don't know some of that stuff comes across as a little bit too you know if i another movie that might be like cute how many coincidences and how many parallels and how many you know right angles and stuff that these characters are meeting at you, either the near misses but like This movie, to me, felt like playing one of those games as a kid where, you know, you've got like a balloon in a shark's mouth and you you roll the dice and you turn in a number of clicks and you're just waiting for that balloon to explode. Uh, It just keeps ratcheting. And every time I think it can't get more tense, it just keeps getting more tense. Uh, Yeah,
1: there's really only one question mark I have around the plot of this movie. Um, And it's not like a logistical thing. It's more like, why did this character do The things that she does, because I don't really know why Vera Formiga's character is interested in Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Uh, That's like the biggest question. But the movie kind of needs that to happen for the symmetry that you're talking about. And so they just kind of go with it. It's really my only even slight complaint with this film.
0: I have a question about maybe about that. And also like Mark Wahlberg's character is such an enigma to me. And you told me he won an Oscar for this. And I'm like, it's well, he was nominated. He lost. Oh, he's nominated. Okay. Uh, And no one else was nominated. No no other actor was nominated. My mind that like Matt Damon, and Leonardo DiCaprio, which are doing like really challenging work, I think. And also, God damn, Matt Damon. Is there anyone better at playing just a dead eyed fucking psychopath? Uh, yeah. Then Matt, I mean, like you think of him in the Talented Mr. Ripley. You think of this movie. You think of him in was it *Suburbicon*? Uh, that that Cohen Brothers film that I didn't really like, but my God, he was a monster in it. Um, I, I've never seen such a combination of like all American good boy looks and just like that guy might fucking just be a psychopath, and he is so so good in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's only Leonardo, like he's acting his ass, and like fucking Mark. Marky Mark got the nod. I, well, I guess not the it's nod. Weird. He got the vague gesture of appreciation in his direction. Yeah. Um, let's talk. So if you haven't seen this movie, I'll, I'll give you the setup. Um, this movie is streaming for free. If you're an HBO Max subscriber. <laughs> for free if you're paying you know seven bucks a month or whatever it is no HBO. it's a premium it's, it's like 10 15 bucks isn't it 15 yeah. uh but i know a lot of a lot of bald move fans have uh this and this is streaming for free right now on hbo max so if you're feeling nostalgic you want to celebrate its anniversary uh come on over and check it out uh but this is a tale of an irish mobster in boston old school uh irish mobster in bops uh, boston played by jack nicholson who recruits a boy from his neighborhood in the eighties. It turns up to grow up to be Matt Damon. And he is handpicked to be a mole inside the police. And Jack Nicholson feeds him information about his organization, just on the margins. It's this is, you know, you're familiar with this. Uh, You got to You got to give something to the cops uh, to keep them off your back. And it also helps Matt Damon rise and rise and rise. Meanwhile, the cops who are trying to track this gangster down, are doing the opposite. They've recruited a kid that comes from a poor neighborhood in, in the, the south end of Boston. I think that's why they call him Southies. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, is in the police academy. They're doing like uh, uh, one of those untouchable deals where they're recruiting a guy uh, out, and they've got this elaborate scheme to, dr- to drum him out of police academy, s- sit him with a uh, criminal record, have him do a jail stint, have him get out and ingratiate himself with a gang and work his way up that criminal. And neither Matt Damon nor Leonardo DiCaprio are aware of each other's identity or even this is going on. But like there's this this really intense game of two way cat and mouse where Leo is trying desperately to find out the information of the mole inside the police. Simultaneously, Matt Damon is trying to track down the rat inside uh, Jack Nicholson's organization and mm-hmm. that is the engine that makes this fucking movie home, baby. And <laughs> It works. Uh, yeah, it works really, really well. So we're going to start talking about spoilers for the film. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you might want to check out now and check it out because it is, it is worth mo- uh, watching. It's one of the non gangsteriest gangster movies of Martin Scorsese's career. Like it's not about the, 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 you know, ripping off semi trucks of cigarettes and moving drugs and stuff. It's about the chase mm-hmm. it's much more the wire than it is most most of uh, martin scorsese stuff but it's it's really it's a really good film
1: yeah uh where do you want to start jim uh maybe we can start there because there is a little bit of you know a scorsese gangster movie in this with frank uh jack Nicholson's character right um he's the guy who sort of you know because all of scorsese's movies are about the rise and fall of the gangster right they get too big uh they get too uh loose and sloppy and eventually that's what happens to frank in this movie and that's about as close as we get to it but it's not the main focus of the movie even though it is there yeah definitely you get the idea that like there's this great
0: line that jack nicholson has where like matt damon's pleading with him like you know i'm so close to finding your rat and they'll be untouchable. Can you just like lay back? You don't need to be here. You don't need this money. And Jack's like, you know, like at my age, I don't I I, I don't need pussy
1: either, but I like it. Yeah, you I know? never needed the money. Like, I didn't need the money since I stole Frankie Fuckface's milk money in third grade. He does it because right. he likes it. He does it because this he, is who he is. And there's lots of this in a movie where
0: people observe to him like this is the thing that makes him hard. This is the thing that gets him out of bed in the morning, yeah. like not this is not about self-preservation. This is about outsmarting people, outpowering people, you know, exerting. There's another great line. He's like, I don't, I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Like, yeah. it's all about the control that he has over. And, you know, he also like a lot of gangsters likes the ability to kind of like swoop down and, uh, you know, take advantage of people and use it to, because like, there's this scene in the beginning where my, old ass uh jack nicholson is shot in shadows because he's supposed to be like a 40 year old man and that ain't gonna fly (laughs) but he's like you know leaning on this grocery store and just being obnoxious as obnoxious a prick as you've ever seen a gangster be like hitting on this guy's teenage daughter and then like as he's about to walk he sees this kid from the wrong side of the tracks and he's like oh why don't you load up on some milk and some bread and some food and throw in some comic books out of this guy's dime Uh, and really sets it up. Like he sees himself as kind of like the man of the people too. Mm. Um, Do you, I want to talk about the accent work.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Because this has got, this movie's got a Kevin Costner honorary award for (laughs) like swings and misses. You've got everywhere from Mark Wahlberg who is just a pitch perfect. Yeah. Bostonian. uh, And I think Matt Damon Matt Damon Damon as well. Yep. Uh, and you got guys like uh, Alec Baldwin, who are, you know, game enough that they're they're doing a pretty, pretty solid the uh, uh, Boston accent. But then you've got on the other end uh, guys like Jack Nicholson, mm. who I would I would say he's not trying, except for there's a couple scenes in the middle of the movie
1: where he is yeah.
0: putting on a very, very thick Boston <laughs> accent. It's just, like, I, mean,
1: yeah. he, I don't know. Scorsese he was behind the camera and he goes, look, I know. I know I'm a New Yorker. There's no way I could pull this accent off, Jack. And I know you probably can't do it either. But th- there is one word which you have to say with a Boston accent. And it's mosh. You got when, yeah. I, when I tell you to put a to dump a body <laughs> in the mosh, you put him in the mosh. And he chews that fucking word. That word comes out like it has like 15 syllables.
0: I, yeah, yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of people that are not. It's weird because you're right. Like, why does scores say I guess you put up with it because of Jack Nicholson? Like he wanted. Yeah, I read that he wanted Al Pacino because like he had never been able to. Uh, and he oh, will have to wait no. till 2019 to work with Al Pacino in the Irishman. <laughs> but like to be from Al Providence, Pacino. like. Uh, yeah, I guess that they re uh, Yeah, would they have him? I mean, Al Pacino, man of all races irishman puerto italian rican, sure puerto rican Cuban. yeah like he's a he's yep. a he can he can be uh like essentially he's he's pan pan racial uh um, there's no way he could pull this but, accent off though no way but I, I but i just think it's funny that martin scorsese put like imagine someone rolling on to like the set of goodfellas and he's got like a mario from nintendo accent like it's a me a he'd be like what the yeah. fuck are you doing get the fuck about like Jack Nicholson is Boston mangling this accent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no, at no time does Martin ever say, cut, we need to ADR this. We just, now nah, it's just whatever Jack's going to give us. Yeah. What is that song that they can put the like the Irish drinking song that they keep playing throughout the movie? You've seen it in a bunch of like whiskey commercials and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Um I thought there's a couple like Howard Shore scored this movie and it's like bare like I couldn't tell you a a, a single music cue because it's almost all like, you know, tension and minor keys and uh, minor chords and all that stuff. But like the first time they played that with the Leo going to prison montage and like Matt Damon's rise through the Stadies montage. I was like, is this movie pulling something this audacious off? And I kind of think it did like it added a certain energy, um, even though, like I said, I've seen this in so many commercials in the 15 years since that it's a little bit robbed of it. But like, it always worked. Um, mm-hmm. It always worked for me. Did you think the the same thing about the music cues?
1: And Yeah, I was not super focused on the music. I'll be honest. Um, I barely noticed it and it was probably because I was so focused on like trying to follow the plot because there's a lot of subtle stuff that they're doing. That's that that stuff you talked about earlier, where you give the police a little bit so that you can, you know, hide your identity as the, the mole and still, you know, tip your boss off to the police coming to get him. They're doing so many subtle things with that, that I was really focused on looking for those. And I don't think I noticed the music at all. Gotcha. Yeah. They're doing the, they, the Man, his plot
0: is so twisty Um yeah. because you find out late in the game that Jack Nicholson is kind of this Whitey Bulger type like triple agent, right? You know, he's feeding information to Matt Damon to help him out. But he's also. But this is like this is it's like it's all a game to him, right? Like he's doing this just just because he can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's playing I, I every side there, here. I wish there was a little bit of exploration of his like interior of what he thinks about him, you know uh doing some of this stuff, like you know how is he hating rats but also using moles and also being the biggest rat of all himself to the extent that like people he like, starts to get that rep um there was none of that, like you know uh, some of the late yeah. se- soprano seasons I've been watching lately have that kind of like agony of like well, you don't want to betray people, but like, you also don't want to do life in prison on the FBI, you know, because the FBI brings you up on federal charges, so you kind of try to find... It just feels like Jack Nicholson's doing all this stuff because it amuses him.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and He's not know, a very well-developed character, I'm saying. Yeah, he's in it so deep at this point, like it's been his whole life that you know, what else is he going to do, right? When it comes time for somebody to pay the piper here, he turns over one of his guys because he's not going to turn himself over. He's not going to prison. That's not his yeah. path. Um, yeah. His path is what he wants it to be. And I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff they they do at the very end with like Matt Damon's character uh, who looks up to him kind of as a father. Right. Um, and then like Jack Nicholson tries to play into that later at the end and get his sympathy when he's been shot. Uh, and it doesn't quite work, but also it does a little bit because Matt Damon's been living with that reality for so long. And that feeling, um, there's just a lot of subtle stuff that they, they're doing with the, you know, nature of Frank Jack Nicholson being a rat in this, uh, so many lives. And I love it too, because that it affects every character, right? You see like the betrayal when Matt Damon realizes That he's been working for an FBI informant, you know, his entire life, essentially. And this guy is, in fact, himself a rat and the lowest scum of the earth. Right. But then the effect it has on Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, is even more interesting. Like. Leo, at the beginning of this movie, essentially gives up his life, his identity. Right. Um, And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of themes of identity and, and what that means and stuff in this movie. And he gives all that up in order to go undercover and get into Frank's organization and, and become this, this other guy. And then he realizes like somewhere along the way that he's not getting the support he needs from the cops. But then when he finds out that Frank is an FBI informant, he realizes that he has thrown his life away for nothing because Frank can't be busted. Right? Like that's the thing. Frank, Frank is untouchable and he always was. And nothing that leo ever could have done in this organization would have brought him down because the fbi's got his back it's 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 like a super betrayal by the cops who i don't even think they knew right like because well, that's the, that's the other thing. thing these thing organizations that- don't fucking talk and so right, you get these right. mistaken yeah situations where you can't bust the guy anyway because another agency owns him Right. And I thought
0: that that was other also unclear to me that, like, if he really was this untouchable FBI informant, like, why were they allowing these guys to get so close to him? Why did Mm -hmm. they let him to put, allow him to put in, be put in a situation where he could be taken off the board entirely? Um, and I yeah. think that that's one of the reasons. I heard that actually that the um, Jack Nicholson part was not was pretty minimal in the original film, and they intentionally bulked it up and beefed it up because they had Jack Nicholson. Like, that, that makes and a ton of sense say. because it's the most Scorsese part of the movie. Yeah. I got to say, there's a lot like Jack Nicholson. Some people were not thrilled with his performance here, but I actually liked it. The accent work is kind of dodgy, but he's just so vicious and cruel and and casual about it. Um, and I haven't seen honestly, I haven't seen a lot of great Nicholson. I know he's a very well regarded <laughs> actor and I've started like, yeah. you know, I saw him in The Shining. I'm like, oh, I saw him an easy rider. I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's a beast. A few good um, men.
1: Yeah, he's yeah, I've fantastic. seen him in a few good
0: men. I, I see him in flashes, but I've not seen him like this was uh, probably in 2006 the first time I'd ever seen Jack Nicholson in a non comedy because I'd seen him like, you know, huh. as good as it gets era Jack Nicholson and that like weird werewolf kind of like comedy thing he did, but I'd never seen like Nicholson, you know, pitching 100 miles an hour and I don't know if he's pitching 100 miles an hour, but there's some good scenes that rat scene like some of this stuff. I don't know why it works like when he's doing <laughs> I that, love it. He's that, got a great that, rat that face. That thing where he's acting, he's do he's giving rat face like it should be comedy. It, you should just yeah. laugh at this guy when he whips out this giant dildo in the porno theater. <laughs> acts yeah. like he's going to skeet on Matt Damon. Like that shouldn't work, but it was so it just shows a picture of a man who just even when he's talking about his own fucking life doesn't
1: care. Yeah. Uh doesn't take anything serious. You almost have to be that guy to be that guy, right? You can't you can't worry and stress and freak out over shit and, and be in the position that Frank Costello's in. Cause it would just right. kill you. It would kill you. I mean, it, like it drives yeah. Leo almost insane. Right.
0: Well, yeah, I saw an interview with Leo that he said that he played this character as if he's having a 24 seven panic attack. Yeah. Um, and that like, man, when he's some of the best stuff is when he's on the phone with like Martin Sheen pleading the like you gotta get me out of here. like this is driving me or mm-hmm. that one great scene where he uh tries to get Vera me to like well, does get her to subscribe him something to take the edge off. Yeah. Um he gives really good, uh unstable, paranoid craze. I mean he I mean we've seen a lot of Leo at this point, like Shutter Island Leo. You can definitely yeah. see
1: glimpses of that in this this performance. And that's why that stuff but- when he finds out that Frank's an FBI informant hits so hard. Yeah. Yeah, he can't even fucking believe it
0: because right. you're right. Like, this is it's nothing.
1: Everything he did was for nothing.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of real horror in the movie, too. Like that scene where, you know, because like uh, I want to talk about Marky Mark, but Mark Wahlberg. It's constantly antagonizing this guy Oh, God. and saying stuff like, Oh, if you do this, like, how ah, about if we just delete your files? You, you know, me and Martin are the only, you know, Martin Sheen are the only ones that know you're even a cop. Like, what if we do that? And then we just, you're, you're, you're going to be this guy's button man for life. And, um, but then at the end of the movie, when you see Mark, when you see Matt Damon actually delete the file and Martin is already dead and Mark is off the force, it's like, Fuck. Like when he grabs Matt Damon on the rooftop and is like, I'm arresting you. I like, I was legitimately like, what is the move here? Cause damn, I don't know if Marky Mark's word is going to be enough with that file being deleted (laughs) and all that stuff. But right. The, the symmetry of this film is just beautiful Mm -hmm. of the rotten gangster appearing to be the good cop and the good cop trying to be the rotten gangster yeah. I understand in the first movie there's like sh- there's there's two women that these men are interested in and you know use as emotional foils. I actually thought it was pretty brilliant to collapse that into one because it just makes the symmetry that much sharper like Vera Amiga. like you've got you know uh, Leonardo DiCaprio who is like you know losing his fucking mind and is like living like a degenerate um mm-hmm. but his dick works, I guess. And you got Matt Damon <laughs> right. who seems like he's got everything. He's got this posh apartment and he's gotten out of care in the world and he's very healthy and uh but he's like impotent. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many interesting symmetries like this. Um and then when you get to when you realize that like Matt Damon, like the film really clicks in the high gear when Matt Damon gets appointed as the head unit to like find the mole. And he's like, got his guys is like, you guys, a handpicked unit. And we're going to fight. Like, you know, we, we, I I don't trust any, I don't trust any Stady out of this room, all that kind of stuff. And then you've got like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio trying to, you know, prove his loyalty to the mob within the, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, man, there's so many things like that in this movie and all the best scenes, kind of like pivot on that like uh that that time where they meet uh the chinese gang i think or like the major chinese nationals that are trying to like do some microchip deal uh yeah. which i thought that was pretty hilarious what are you here to get microchips what, what? right what i don't know what they it's are my- you don't know what they are but <laughs> it's just, it sounds high tech like right? in 2021 it sounded right. like crazy like what you got like a great iphones what the fuck are we talking about microchips Mm-hmm. But like that scene is great because it's the cat and mouse because like, you know, Leo's telling the cops certain things, but he can't tell them everything because he doesn't want to give himself away. And Matt's telling the gangs, but he doesn't know that, um you know, it's like, it's like, ah, oh, they got and, and it's just so tense. Like just Leo taking his phone out of his pocket, turning it on and sending like a dollar sign is like one of the tenser scenes I've ever seen. And that's yeah. just the first set piece. Like I thought that like in a lot of movies that would be the final right. set piece of tension. Fuck no. When you get into that roof scene, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, like the, 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 uh, card scene Yeah. Yeah. They followed him there and, you know, Leo's got to do this thing where he's got a, oh, it's, it's, it's so great. It's so great. And you just like, there's so many times I'm like, I don't see how these guys are
1: getting out of these situations and they keep doing it. Um, and, and it just, all makes it sense. None, so of it, well. none of it feels like a stretch, right? Everybody is like playing the exact right card at the exact right time. And the the like hallmark of that for me in this movie is the scene where Matt Damon uh pretends to be one of Frank's guy's lawyers and goes mm-hmm. into the interrogation room and is like, you know, he's technically breaking some laws here. Right. But not in a way that the cops are really going to care much about because a, he's their superior and he's telling them, look, we're just, we're going to fucking get this guy. I'm going to do this. It'll be fine. i will just lie about it. Um, but, but he's like using this as an opportunity to right in front of the cops tip off Frank that, Hey, they're coming after you. And also like at the same time, they're he's like giving the cops what they want too, right they want to get information out of this guy so they think they're getting the info and they are they're getting an address that they can go to but the place has already been burned down because he already tipped them off it's it's just a really great great scene it's really because they have that scene about like no one's more
0: full of co- shit than cops because they all say they do this and that but they really just want to bust heads and shoot and like you could see that like yeah. Matt Damon kind of knows that. And so he's like, he knows these cops are going to yep. be like, Oh, flip off the cameras. Cause I'm going to fuck this guy's civil liberties. And the cops are like, Oh yeah, It's just so fucking cool. You'll do. And they just instantly right? comply. Not thinking that like, well, yeah, there's no audio and, and he can be saying
1: anything. And he, it's, it's, it's yeah, This movie, like everything Matt Damon is doing in this movie requires the cops to be a little corrupt and a little bit shitty. Sure, Which sure. because we all know like, cops, but like, right, 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 right. Yeah, it, it relies um, on and, that. In, it's
0: smart. In, in a way that like, they're not like just like chortling about how evil they are. They're trying no. to bust a really bad guy and they know he's a bad guy. Everyone yeah. knows he's a bad guy. He's the worst guy. Like this is a bunch of bullshit. that we have to work so hard to put him away? I There's a little bit like in the margins, there's a little bit of stuff that like it almost strains my credibility. Like after Leo witnesses and has evidence for like four capital murders, like, really, the warehouse full of Coke is what's going to bring him. Like, like it, I, I kept the Martin's like, we got to build an iron tight case. I'm like, Jesus, put him away for just one murder. <laughs> can you not put yeah. away a 75 year old dude for life for one murder? If you can make it stick. What right. about four? But like, you know, the, the movie needs to keep on um amping the pressure. But even like the symmetry just goes so many levels deep. Like Vera Farmiga's character has this talk where. You know, she mentions to Matt Damon about like, you know, would you what if uh, or no to Leo She's, you know, because Leo's having coffee with her, which is kind of technically a violation of her professional responsibilities. You know, they end up having a full blown relationship. He's like, what what would you say to Matt Damon if he saw us here? Because he I'd probably say a little lie, you know, just to kind of even the keel. Mm-hmm. But then like a scene later, she confronts Matt Damon about a suspicious phone call he's got. And he's like, and and. He tells her a convenient lies like, oh, it's just a guy I work with and no big. And she's like, no, it's not. And and she he says, well, you know, I got certain things I just can't tell you about because of the nature of my job. She goes, well, why don't you just say that contradicting her? Like he tried to just tell a small lie to even the keel and she wouldn't let him do it. So like there's this symmetry of like kind of like petty personal hypocrisy on her part um like every single thing is like a a, fa- a a nested russian doll of duplicity and deception and you 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 take yeah. that one and like even little like like throw off stuff where um some of jack's men are just uh doing this ironic that's a cop game like people like girls that won't give him time to, uh, on uh time of day on the street must be a cop that old <laughs> guy reading the newspaper to coffee must be a cop um and then when you know leonardo comes out it's like ah, that guy's definitely a cop freaks him the fuck out but Again, it's it's all about appearances and things not being what they seem. And the whole fucking movie is yeah. made out of that smoke and mirrors. It's it crazy. really is.
1: Like The visual, some of the visual stuff that they're doing is to, like, did you notice the James Bond-esque uh, transitions where they would sort of, like, put somebody down the barrel of a gun is how I read it because of some of yes. the stuff they said. And then that would either yeah. open up if you were looking at it from Leo's perspective or it would close in if you're looking at it from Matt Damon's perspective. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that stuff is also, you know, a, a certain type of symmetry, right? And the way that they frame that is, uh, you know, how do you tell the good guys from the bad guys, the cops from the robbers, right? Well, it's real hard when you're staring down the barrel of a gun. Like, what's the difference? Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's like the psychological engine of this movie. Where does what you're doing become bad as a cop um, to try and catch the bad guy? And where as a good guy do you become the criminal that you're trying to bust. Right. Right. Yeah. And those like, th- there's like so much
0: pressure from both ends. Like Matt Damon's trying to do a good job for Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson won't lay low. So he's getting like, right. Increasingly desperate, trying to keep Jack Nicholson out of jail, which is, you know, causing, uh you know, problems for him and the squad and starting to raise suspicions. And same thing, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like, you know, like I've given you guys enough. I, uh, we still haven't made the case. He's been, you know, that Jack Nicholson's aggression is making him be more and more acting more and more obvious ways. It's just, it feels like the tube of toothpaste getting squeezed by both ends mm-hmm. and Matt and, and Leo are just so good at showing, um, you know, like the only difference in their characters is they're, Ultimate motivation, like yeah. you know Leonardo's trying to reduce the misery in the world, and Matt Damon's trying to sweep the misery of the world under the rug so it can continue to happen mm-hmm. uh you mentioned the the cinematography is like the james Bond aspects i this is the most kinetic I've ever seen a martin Scorsese film, yeah, I like in so. terms of like pulling zooms like it's like there's that shot um right around where it hits you with the departed title screen, like fifteen minutes in the film, um. And, like, they're doing all these crash zooms on, like, uh, Alec Baldwin's face and into evidence and stuff. And that's why I thought, like, surely this has got to be influenced by the Hong Kong uh, filmmaking of uh, Infernal Affairs. But, again, apparently not. But, like, and it's not like Martin Scorsese is, like, a pretty reserved filmmaker. Like, he's sure. pretty flashy and showy. Like, you look at stuff she, he did yeah. in Casino. You look at, like, the the big Warner Um, in Goodfellas, but this I felt like it was even more. Like the camera never stood still; it was always pushing in and zooming and doing weird angles and
1: doing CCTV type looking stuff. Um, and editing too. It's it's got a sort of uh, not quite like frenetic pace of editing, but I would definitely call it that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's smooth. It's it's not it's not jarring. It's taking you from one scene to another, where a lot of stuff is happening simultaneously. And and it never feels overwhelming, though. I I was pausing it quite a bit to make sure because I had to have this plot down in my head pretty well for this podcast. Um, Mm. But the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, okay, I got the gist of this. I didn't need every single detail. I didn't need to know, you know, why this guy was doing that and and whatnot. I got. Oh, yeah. He was like doing it because the cops are on to him, whatever. This time through, I was pausing it a lot but I, I didn't feel like you'd miss anything if you weren't like trying to pause it and write on top. That's of the
0: thing. I, I feel like this movie, you feel like you might be missing some things because it is moving fast and is, but like, honestly, yeah. if you just watched a film, yep. like it is, I mean, some of the things in the twist are like genuinely shocking. Like I gasped a couple times when a, a couple of like, especially late in the film, when things happen like that, like uh, for example, Leo getting sh- shot in the head. Yeah yeah uh, unceremoniously comes, like, just boom, i done. figured i i thought that i remembered that both of them die and yeah. by that point in the film i kind of had starting to have thought well it's probably going to be this because I, I remember matt I, I remember marky mark in the overalls and, and the, the paper suit. slippers <laughs> yeah. the tracksuit and the paper slippers i remember and but i couldn't remember who got like because like I, I i was the whole time i'm like what if this is like going to be a reversal where it's like it's even like you know the leo's actually been playing for the the mobsters and matt But like, but when, yeah, like that was door opens and Matt Damon has switched from, you got a fucking nerve pal trying to bring. I'm a steady. What the fuck are you? How do you think this is going to go? I'm going to enjoy this. And he starts realizing and like how truly fucked he is and starts essentially kind of like begging for his life. And then the doors open and out of nowhere, he gets his brains blown out. Yeah. swiftly followed by by three
1: other brains being blown (laughs) out. Like I was wild. Yeah, it it is. It's totally wild. Uh, I I love that moment because there is this like threat or this like hint that, Hey, there might be more moles than we actually realize throughout the movie. And this is the only time it it finally comes back around to that at the very, very, very end of the movie. Um, they could have left it out. I don't think they needed to have like a second mole here. Right. Um, but it was great. And the the symmetry there too, where like,
0: uh, that one guy, I gave you the wrong address Yeah, and you were there anyway. And like Leo's like, like, Oh God, I got to kill. How am I going to kill this guy right now? And then he says, ask yourself why I didn't say anything. Yeah,
1: and I don't know that like, the movie needed to explain that later on or it, maybe it doesn't. I, I have a question about that, that I want to ask you. Okay. Do it. Because
0: I I, got, I was just going to say that, like, I thought that was interesting because that sets up the idea that like, cause I, there was a, there's another line where like Leonardo's trying to reason with Jack Nicholson. I don't know. crazy concept, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, if you keep doing this, like your own guys are going to turn against you. And the one guy that said, I ain't going to do this because like it's kind of been on the street that Jack Nicholson was f- giving guys up to the FBI. Mm-hmm. And I thought that maybe the like I was on like I was like these guys probably cop, but also he might have just been one of his guys that was tired of Jack Nicholson shit. Yeah. But then when James Dale, who I had just seen, I just watched the uh, uh, the Pacific miniseries on HBO and he plays uh, Robert Leckie in that. And he's really good. Uh, and he was like, you know, the guy that in the beginning of the film, I thought was going to be the one that found out Matt Damon because he's kind of like, ah, you know, you and I are both the, graduated, but you're climbing a lot faster. It's kind of weird how you always get these tips and kind of. Yeah, I thought he was going to be the squeaky clean guy that brings him down and he's the other mole. Yeah, uh, that shit. I thought that stuff was I mean, I I, I can see another person groaning at how kind of preposterous and just so it was. But Jesus, it worked so well. It is it they so hint well. enough
1: at it in the movie that when it happens, you go, oh, that's what they've been doing. OK, right. Um, The other question I have is, like, how many freaking moles, how many rats are in Frank's organization? Frank himself is a rat. He's got two cops in there. He probably has an FBI. Well, okay. so is the other guy an FBI agent and the cops were just saying he was a cop?
0: I don't I don't know, because like they they said he's a statey. Like he reti- he gets full police. They say he that, wasn't but wouldn't an the FBI, FBI agent
1: maybe want to say that the FBI is not in Frank's organization? But he's an FBI maybe. informant, so everybody in this organization, top to bottom, who's a criminal, is also working for some law enforcement, right? But that's there, the, there's the probably wheels an NSA of the same guy in there. Homeland Security's in there, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, that that's the wheels <laughs> and the wheels. Because when you know that's during that speech about like I told you, when I tell you throw a guy in the mosh, <laughs> yeah, throw him in the um. Jack Nick the guy's like well and I thought this was a reasonable point like what if the cops are just saying that he's a cop so that like we stop looking for the mole and Jack Nicholson says the cops say he's a cop what are you an asshole but I'm like it also made sense because Jack Nicholson is also a rat yes so he kind of wants people to stop asking questions and think this is all fine and good and and uh, all that. And I, that's also like, it also makes sense that like, that's why he's so fucking insane. Cause he thinks he is untouchable. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's almost playing this game with Matt Damon. Like, Hey, what, how, how bad can I make you fuck up your career? Um, but there's, in, so the there's thing- a great, there's a bunch of great stuff here because like mm-hmm. this ro- this James Dale, when he goes and blows the brains out of, uh, Leo and his partner, um, and then you can see the wheels instantly in Matt. He, he starts he starts talented Mr. Ripleying, And I'm like, as soon as this guy turns around, he's got. Yep, he's got his brains blown out. Yeah. But when he when he goes to that big Coke meeting, I think Matt Damon intended to kill Jack Nicholson. He had had enough of his shit and he's about ready to roll him up. And no one knows that he and he's just going to be a hero cop the rest of his life.
1: It's uh, possible, I think is what yeah. He thought
0: he was trying to do. Did you or
1: there is like a little bit of mixed up. Father type feelings in that too, I think, but yeah, probably oh, I mean, not yeah, enough yeah, to prevent. Text. Yeah. Yeah. His murder. I, I think yeah. you're right about that. I, I have a question um, about um, Frank being an FBI agent or an FBI right. informant and why he gets so crazy throughout this movie. Is it possible that he is on the verge of uh, mental breakdown himself because he knows that if Leo finds out? Or if anybody finds out, if law enforcement finds out, uh, the state police find out that he's an FBI informant, they could leak that information to one of his guys who would then maybe take him out. Oh, 100 percent. Because, yeah. I mean, they all hate rats, right? And if they find out the Frank's sure. a rat, they're going to take him out. Sure. So, yeah, he's he's probably actually under quite a bit of pressure, not from law enforcement, but from the possibility his guys will find out he's an informant. It would
0: be interesting to rewatch this film like immediately to get with because like, yeah, I I wonder if some of these are supposed to suggest because there's a couple things where like Jack Nicholson get like in the early goings. Like there's a sex scene where he's having sex with two uh uh, uh women, sex workers, whatever. And he's like, you know, doing bowls of cocaine and he's got that kind of like Leo Matt thousand yard stare. And I wonder uh-huh. if you like watch this again, you see that he's kind of like one layer above in the same kind of pressure cooker because he's getting squeezed, got to be squeezed by the FBI wanting more and more information, more and more arrest. Mm-hmm. But if he, he's already getting so blatant that it's on the street that he might be doing this. And if that gets back, like he, there's probably scenes of him like, "Oh, well, you're trying to get me killed. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is not how the gang it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so wild because it's such a good companion piece of Sopranos I've been watching because like I've always gotten that sense that like uh you know when they use their criminal informants, they're just trying to use them up. Yeah. You know, like they yeah. don't really give a shit about their personal safety. It's like, I need you to get this information. I don't care if it gets you killed.
1: If it gets killed, it's a bummer for me, but like um That that scene where he's doing coke with the the prostitutes, I don't know what they yeah, are. I, I assume. Um his girlfriends. Did you get the feeling that that scene was like he grabs this handful of cocaine he throws it at something and then tells the other one it tells one of them like don't don't come up until your face is numb or something or until your face is um uh, yeah yeah I, I get the impression we were supposed to see an ass covered in cocaine there
0: yeah but, but we my, did not. I, but I don't know why I don't know why he would cut it like, I, I yeah. guess it's a two and a half hour movie. And if you have an hour or you have a minute long Jack Nicholson sex scene, who really wants to see that? Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> it, it was. It was. a Yeah, I actually I. So I read a bunch. So I read a bunch of reviews, contemporary reviews, because I was fascinated by the people that, that hated this movie. And a lot of people that hated the movies because they were invariably people that saw Infernal Affairs first. Oh, uh, they're invariably people that just seem like have a personal axe to grind about Jack Nicholson and his excess. But like, I don't know. Like Marlon Brando, late stage Marlon Brando was a giant piece of shit and super difficult to work with. But also, fucking Godfather and Apocalypse Now, goddamn. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's a finicky, a shitty instrument. But if you can play it, like boy, howdy, you get you get a certain tone out of it. Um, yeah. and like Jet, like jack nicholson being a man of excess and overacting and scenery chewing it's like well yeah yeah you got 70 year old cantankerous ass jack nicholson on set but you also get the rat scene and all the yeah so it's like fuck man like you're i don't know it's like going to a sam raimi film and being dismayed at all the zoom pulls he's he's pulling and all the (laughs) like you know ankle ankle camera chasing through the woods like "Ah, as but like what what do you want it's a sam Raimi film man right uh i i i I, but but a lot of it was i i read in one of these that were like trashing it about being like a shot for shot remake of infernal affairs and like jack said that asserted that jack nicholson um twisted martin scorsese's arm to do a sex scene that there was a lot more to that. And then it just got cut down to like five or six seconds. But like, yeah. So I think you're right. You're exactly right. Jack Nicholson Jeez. is the re is the one that wanted to see the Jack Nicholson sex scene. Wow. Damn. Yeah. I didn't know about that, but that sounds about right. He's got a reputation. He's got to uphold Jim. You got, yeah. What did you think of the sheer amount of, departed that were in this film spoken like there it's it's the, yeah. the
1: title of this movie is said like seven different times I and never understood I wasn't what the departed was uh like what the title meant until I watched it this time I didn't get that the first okay. time and I don't know how I didn't get that because Matt Damon effectively says exactly what the departed is and by the end of the movie they all become the departed right Uh huh. Well, Uh, so what is it? I, because I didn't get it. What is it? So Matt Damon refers to one of the dead, like suspects in one of their cases, as the departed at one point in this movie. And so I see at the end of this movie, when everybody's fucking dead, right? They're all the departed. Um, I'm sure it has multiple layers of meaning, but that is like the obvious surface one. Everything, everyone
0: but Alec Baldwin and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Okay. So I, I was looking for something more thematic, but it's just literally surface level, like all these. OK,
1: I mean, maybe there's more to it, but that's what I got out of it this time. Um, I like
0: that. Uh, there's so many individual great scenes, like when Alec Baldwin was, was smashing golf balls with uh, uh, Matt Damon and he's like, you know, some people uh, you got an unblemished record. Some people don't trust the unblemished records too perfect, but I don't because I've got an unblemished record like there's <laughs> yeah. some really there's he's some great. really great stuff with that like Matt Damon's like just sheer game that he has with Vera uh-huh um yeah. like it's she's extremely charming and I thought that was another symmetry that like Leo is a lot more obviously damaged and like nervous and doesn't have that but there's it's it's genuine and real what he's got and she's attracted to him and Matt Damon is the confident guy who's got all the moves and all the answers and all the slick things but he's also completely dead bedroom and
1: um, I thought uh, that you, you I, had a question about the yeah. attraction there you want to talk about that I, I want right. to talk about it because I never felt it in this movie I never like other than okay it's a fucking Leonardo DiCaprio and Vera Formiga they're both extraordinarily attractive why does she go for this clearly broken fucked up dude <sighs> I so who's breaking on... like every rule and I I, right. I have an idea and but I want to hear what you think about that first
0: so early on, there's this line by Jack Nicholson about, like, you know, you, no one get, can give you something. You have to take it. And I think that's to begin the contrast of Matt Damon, who was literally given everything to him by Jack Nicholson. Nothing that he achieved is under his own horsepower from the day he got loaded up with uh, hot dogs and bread and, and cookies and comic books to his, you know, uh, his his work in the police academy right out of there he only he only rises up in the ranks because of the information that Jack Nicholson is feeding him versus uh, Leo who no one was watching out after him because his dad was one of the good ones and which was a big liability in this neighborhood apparently mm-hmm. and he had not you know I guess he had his mother who's like a like a posh upper middle class Bostonian but his dad is this kind of piece of shit Southie and he's this, so I think what attracted Vera to Leo is that authenticity. Like she could tell that there's something real here, where like Matt Damon completely felt constructed, and at some level she understood that. Mm-hmm. But also, it's just now that I'm a like an old ass man. Like the idea of like you're moving in at four months, what the fuck? You're getting talking about getting, but like also. They, they established that they moved in together after four months. which seemed crazy. But then they also mentioned that, like, they're getting engaged. And, you yeah. uh, know, obviously she's pregnant. But I also got the distinct. I thought they were going to do some distinct thing
1: where, like, she's pregnant, but it's with Leo's baby. Right. Um, but they didn't really do anything with that. They don't. Uh, um, I, I thought at one point they had broken up to her and Matt Damon had broken up and she was moving maybe to a different state or he was, but then she shows up with the photo of the ultrasound, I guess. And right. And everything seems to be back on track. It yeah, it was a little strange. I, I got the impression that she also is kind of into a darker edge in her guys. Um, and I don't, they, they don't give you any information about her upbringing. Really? The, the, the only kind of information you potentially get about her is through Leonardo DiCaprio's assessment of her which yeah. we don't know if it's right or wrong. Um, right. But I, I get the distinct impression because of the way that like Mark or not Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon is like flirting with her at the beginning, how he's talking about, you know, br- breaking some rules, right? I could arrest you right here, right now. I'm about yeah. to, mm-hmm. she likes a darker edge to her guys. And so when he's asking about pain, like, uh, you know, Laura's a l- 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 Pam, whatever it's called mm-hmm. when he wants all these pills, when he's talking about how fucked up he is, she's kind of into that. Yeah. Yeah. seems dangerous, I think, though. I think that they, they,
0: they both are bad, but like there's like, there's an inner core goodness that's, that's real to Matt, that to Leo that she can sense. I mean, yeah, that's why I keep yeah. going back to, I think right another right about question that too. about, okay. about the relationships in the film, Matt, Mark Wahlberg. Uh-huh. So our introduction to him is him calling this fresh out of uh, a police academy guy, and he's doing the uh, Sean Connery busting Andy Garcia's balls from The Untouchables. Ah, oh, you agree? He's doing the 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 Mick the 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 Mick uh, uh, Irish version of the greasy dago wop uh, provocation. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty standard. Yeah, you got to make sure the guy, you know, is got some steel to uh-huh. him, and he's he, but, but also. You're not going to buckle. He's strong. He's not going to like, you know, you're trying to provoke him. But like eventually Sean Connery stops all that <laughs> shit. Like he's not like <laughs> calling Andy Garcia, racial epithets from like from the rest. But like Mark Wahlberg never lets up on this guy. Yeah. And I, I don't honestly, it's, it's baffling to me. Uh, what the hell? Like, I, I feel like there's some, uh, there's a layer missing to Mark Wahlberg's character because he's just like, even if he's doing it why does martin sheen allow it to go on for so long
1: right Uh, i I feel like they're i I thought what they were doing in this initial interview scene is a good cop bad cop sort of routine and an interview which kind of makes sense yeah but then i realized over the course they are just good cop and bad cop right martin sheen is the wholesome catholic uh, you know, guy who d- you could look into his life. You could dig under his fingernails. There's nothing there. It's perfect. And then Mark Wahlberg is a shit Lord. So I, I don't know yeah. if they were playing something there or if that's just who these characters are.
0: I also thought like, cause there's like, you know, this is a trope in like some of the spy novels I've read, like, you know, Tom Clancy, where like there's this, your double agent is your most powerful tool, but he's hated by both sides yeah because yeah. you're working this guy and you always got to keep it like you, you he's he is betraying his people and kind of a piece of shit that's like a not desirable quality mm-hmm. um but you also desperately need him and i thought there was a little bit of that contempt but a good a spy master doesn't allow his agent to be aware of how much contempt he holds him or if it is it's strategic like if you know like uh Like, okay, this guy's buckling, he's under a lot of pressure, maybe he needs, like, a little bit of tough love right now. But Marky Marky Mark is just, like, fucking uh, provoking Leo this entire movie to the point where it almost is going to sabotage the operation. And that's why I thought, like, well, he has this extreme contempt, but then when he shows up in the final uh, seconds of the film to, like, exert, like, the avenging angel... Uh, to avenge the righteous blood shed like that didn't make sense because like well does he think leo's a piece of shit
1: or does he have his grudging respect uh i think he has a grudging respect i think the the movie like if we want to talk about more meanings to the departed is probably about that too right like mm. the people who make a sacrifice for the good um uh, like mark Wahlberg gives up his career here for that right um yeah and and obviously leo gives up his life for that so yeah i i don't know i did think he was an asshole to like the nth degree here and didn't need to be and i'm not sure why but like a he's the Galacticus of he's a, he's cosmic
0: scale asshole, but it's yeah. really funny. Cause like, we're like Martin Sheen and Leo had kind of bonded over the fact of Martin, or that Martin that the Leo is able to quote this, I think British philosopher or whatever. And like and, and Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> farts, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you no fucking, <laughs> yeah. well Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't, yeah. Scott, he's, he's really funny. Um, he is, yeah. but he's just such a loose cannon compared to like the fatherly, uh, but I mean, maybe that's another symmetry where it's like I felt they were doing the same thing with like Jack Nicholson and Ray Winstone that like. Ray was like a little bit more fatherly, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit, and Jack Nicholson is just a fucking psychotic prick, and they were mirrored that relationship with Martin
1: Sheen and Donnie Wahlberg or not Donnie, Mark I, Wahlberg. Yeah, maybe. I think they're showing a lot of different sides of cops, right? The archetypes, because um, if you look at Alec Baldwin, he's kind of like. He's I think he's good at what he does, but he's kind of aloof and he's kind of just like Mm -hmm. uh, he seems like he's a lifer, right? Like he this is his career and he's just going to get through it and whatever. If he catches some bad guys along the way, good for us, I guess. Yeah, I didn't take him nearly as seriously as I took like Martin Sheen or Wahlberg in this. Uh what else do we want to talk about? There's a
0: couple other great line. Uh, there's just uh, so many great lines in this. Like I really liked uh, when uh um, that guy from Pacific war, um, yeah. James Dale is like complaining to Mark or to, uh, Matt Damon about getting passed up and promotions and stuff. And he's, uh, you know, he's still wearing a state uniform and, Matt Damon responds like, "Oh, what's the matter? You, you don't want to go around wa- wearing a suit? You'd rather uh, go go dressed up like you're ready to invade Poland all the time? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they, I, I mean, I, I guess this is a period accurate. For per- the, the, these 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 uniforms look pretty fashy. Like if you substitute the baby blue for for uh, you know ca- coyote brown, and yeah, yeah, these guys are just jackbooted thugs. Like what is up with that fucking leather bondage outfit they got going up to there?" <laughs> yeah. Like your gun belt's that fucking heavy. You got to have structural support for it. My God. Um, yeah, oh, one other thing I, I didn't, I didn't get this on my, I, I guess this is my first time through, but my first time actually taking this movie seriously through. Mm-hmm. Apparently Scorsese worked a bunch of cross motifs. Um, like, like oranges are death in a lot of gangster movies. There's like a lot, um, a lot of times there's overlapping cross imagery, like bridges to have structural supports um, streets meeting at an X Um, And that was like to symbolize death, like when when characters are meeting under these circumstances that and I on on another watch through, I'm really looking forward to seeing that because I saw a bunch of screenshots from and film blogs where they're showing the different things. But that's something to look through, too. If you're watching this for the first time or you're rewatching on the anniversary, go back and look and see it all the intersection that form like cruciforms um, to deal with themes of forgiveness and being unforgiven and an impending death and doom. Uh, Again, I didn't notice those on uh, organically,
1: but apparently they're there. I got another thing for you to notice when you watch this movie again. All Uh, right. Watch for the scene. It's the same scene where Nicholson makes the rat face. Watch for (laughs) Jack Nicholson to suck fly guts off of his hands. Did he really eat a fly? I don't know if he did, but the movie makes it look like he just licked these fly guts up. No problem. Yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's pretty it's he's a bizarre character man Mm -hmm.
0: I mean he does some standard gangster stuff like that uh, him pounding on Leo's broken arm is pretty hard to watch and but that's like (laughs) pretty standard gangster shit but yeah him eating like some of the some of the stuff he does late in the film to like be intimidating and stuff is bordering on silly like anybody else does this and they get laughed out of theater for sure
1: except maybe you, you might Al Pacino could pull it off I think if he did That's get Pacino, I think he could do it. It uh, would have been very interesting to see this era of Pacino. It
0: might have been a bigger joke of a performance, honestly, maybe he's coming on doing this hoo
1: and yeah mm-hmm. uh, so let's talk about the final like scene with Frank, um where he's brought down right they they are tailing him to a drug uh exchange that he doesn't need to fucking go to right he's no, the head he's honcho. Doing this why does he go to this just because that's who he is he thinks he's untouchable whatever um i remember not liking this scene very much the first time i watched this movie i thought it was a bit of a letdown because i didn't really get much of what was going on here or there's so much going on i couldn't pinpoint any one thing to latch onto and say that was great because there's a lot of like question marks around the relationship that Frank and Matt Damon have at this point um, that the Jack Nicholson and Matt Damon have uh, I get the impression that like you said earlier Matt Damon is starting to get fed up with Frank's shit it'd be easier if he was gone he might be able to like actually just live the life that he's constructed as his false identity and I also get the impression that he doesn't want Frank to go because he has a lot of affection for him despite all that right
0: there's that father kind of fatherly but twisted father at one
1: held at one remove because you're and yeah a bunch of anger that he's a fucking fbi informant because he knows that at this point so legit yeah 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 there's like a lot of mixed emotions in this scene it's very subtle and it's it once you get everything that's going on here i think it's a very rich scene but Uh boy it was over my head the first time i watched this movie
0: this like, like I said. I I actually want to revisit this film pretty soon. I want I want to go back and watch Infernal Affairs and then maybe watch this again. Um, because I I agree. I was thinking myself like if Matt Damon didn't know that Jack Nicholson was an FBI informant, he might have sacrificed himself for him. But like Ooh, maybe the calc the 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 mental calculus is like is it worth? Cause I've got a good thing here. I got a baby on the way. I got a good woman. I got a good pay. I got a good apartment. And like, maybe, maybe my luck dries up here, but like I can kill this guy and I am a legend. Mm -hmm. I am a legend and I will never have to do police work again. Probably. Uh, and I think he's actually a a good, he's in the same way that Leo ends up being a good gangster. Um, he's a good cop by the end. So they're both very smart guys who are doing. And he's like, why? Yeah, like if this guy is no longer listening and he's no longer he just admitted to me that like I don't even need to do any of this stuff. I'm just doing it because and uh, am I going to go am I going to give everything away for a guy who had his is is a rat at the end of the day? Yeah. And I think that's what that's why I think he went there. You see the like he's like, you got to get this uh, heat off me when he goes. I think he made the decision right then and there that he was going to go and like we're going to get him. He like he's like, we're going to get him tonight. Yeah. Uh, I think he was a hundred percent since like,
1: yeah, there's no way Jack Nicholson's getting out of that, getting out of that meeting. I think you're right. Um, yeah. And, and to the point where like, I, I get the impression that he kind of arranged this standoff with, with Frank. Right. Um, cause it, it's suspicious to me that there are no other cops in the vicinity when his cell phone's going off. Not only that, but does, I, there's, I had some staging problems with that. Like, as when they go, uh, like,
0: you know, this is like, you, you have the feeling that, like, maybe Matt's chased him through some tunnels or something through this train yard and this. Yeah. Doing it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, but then they paint, they crane up and, like, cops are, like, 100 yards away. And there's been, like, six different, like, six different rounds of gunfire like jack shoots him and then matt shoots him and then he shoots him again and then jack nicholson's not dead he pops (laughs) off another round he shoots him like what there's this raging gun battle this part of the docks and like the other cops just like i don't know let's see how this let's see how it all settles out before we get over there like what the hell
1: it was a Um, little setup yeah but a little loosey goosey yeah yeah i don't know uh i I Um, will say i like the name Infernal Affairs better than I do the departed, frankly. I think Infernal Affairs is a really good pun. I'm
0: kind of cause like I this might have been the origin, because I've always been a big Roger Ebert fan. He's one of the reasons I watched this, because he gave this a three a four star review. And uh, he dropped in his review the, you know, the thing that I've said many times when we talk about Martin Scorsese and Martin Scorsese unironically believes that he's going to hell. Because he is a staunch Catholic and he's realizing that, you know, with his multiple marriages and infidelities and all the God knows what else Martin Scorsese's gotten up to <laughs> in his life, running around gangsters and stuff that he thinks that he's he's going to hell. Um, huh. I'm actually surprised they didn't call it infernal affairs because there's also kind of like being trapped in this hell and being like, because like if you're if you're a Catholic, does Leonardo DiCaprio get into heaven? Doing the shit that he does in this movie? Does he kill anybody?
1: Does he? I'm not sure he does. No, I don't uh, think that's he does. Thing, like, I,
0: I, that's the other thing I wanted to, because he beats the holy hell and piss out of people. He shoots a guy in the um, knee. My, should have gotten shot. He might have killed a like a like probably like a. I, I'm wondering in the end, did he shoot anybody? But like, that might have been like you, if a, if he's a cop, right? You're allowed to shoot bad guys if the gun's on you, right? So, like, oh, I'm yeah. trying to think if he did anything that was like not in self defense, but there's a lot of these themes of being kind of damned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the infernal affairs kind of like really you know nails that home. I'm surprised it didn't appear. Maybe he thought it was too on the nose. Having said Mate. that final scene in the movie where the, you know, Ratatouille walks out for his prequel appearance. <laughs> it's on the balcony. On the nose. I mean, come on. Yeah. Two on the nose for Scorsese. I don't know. <laughs> don't know, Marty. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that title. That's, that's clever. I can't believe Wahlberg's the only one that got an Oscar nomination. That seems insane that like it just is. through weight and inertia jack nicholson didn't get it like matt Wahlberg, or matt Wahlberg, matt damon and leonardo dicaprio are doing like you know or er, like pretty early career defining work for them uh i'm just just shocked that nobody like that ray winstone didn't get like a supporting something or other because he's fantastic in this film as well mm-hmm. uh i'm j- i yeah mark what the fuck happened with that what kind of lobbying did marky mark do
1: uh i don't know man i mean maybe he felt like he got snubbed for planet of the apes <laughs> and really just like lobbied hard had all his hollywood friends come in and say yeah i, I did this dong movie way back in the day and you guys gave me nothing yeah. I, maybe you did get I, I, he might have won for that i don't know everybody talks about I was that, say, that as, that's got pretty movie.
0: well yeah we need to do boogie nights one of these days too we do i've never seen um, it um oh wow okay so did you do? Because this is kind of your ballet week, Did you did you do the Oscar game on this? Like what? How did uh, this thing do that year? What, uh,
1: yeah, it got I want to say five wins. One, two, three, four, four wins and uh, nomination for uh, Mark Wahlberg, but he didn't win. He lost mm, to Alan Arkin for Best for Boston mis- Action. <laughs> yeah, no, it got uh, most motion Best Motion Picture of the Year, Best uh, Director, Best adapted screenplay best so this is martin editing. this is marty's
0: first first oscar for a director right God, and is picture. that true
1: because I, I, yeah, I remember a lot of talking to talk to like
0: you didn't get he didn't get for goodfellas i think he missed out the wasn't a pulp fiction or no 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 it was like forrest gump or something i, I can't remember which one went missed for what reason in but like yeah he, he been. got got yeah. screwed out of that he didn't get for casino not gangs in new york Wow. Which might have come out after The Departed, but like uh and I don't know, Aviator. I don't think that's the best Scorsese film, but it's a good one. Um uh, it's wild that he got it for this though. Like I, I guess
1: this is the most complex one of the most complex movies I've ever seen him do. I saw an interview Scorsese said
0: this is the first film he ever directed with a plot, which was yeah. kind of funny and like kinda like because everything else is just kind of like shit happening to dudes yeah, and like Rise a, and it's fall a vibe. gangster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a vibe and all that. And that's there's a lot of Man, we talked about this like we've done a lot of Scorsese this past year, not because we set out to do it, but like every one of his works deals with like the duality of man, Mm -hmm. you know, like the strength of a boxer and his inner fragility, Uh, you know, this guy who can can steely ideal deal with mafia types, but he's completely weak to this woman, Uh, you know it's all about this kind of like dual, dual natures, outsiders and an inside, like, you know, these guys that can't be made men because of their blood, but they're all of this stuff deals with this kind of duality. Um, uh, I mean, those and, are and interesting topics, lives.
1: right? Yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, yeah, where you come to the intersections, the, the, that's the conflict um, that you want to see in your dramas. I I really like it. I, speaking of conflict, so at the end of this movie, Frank, when Frank is dead, this, this movie is like a kind of up and down roller coaster at the end where like a lot of different things happen and information comes to light and people are killed. But it all felt a little strange to me because I didn't understand the stakes at that point. When Frank is dead mm-hmm. and no one knows who the mole in the police was because Queenan's dead, even if he did figure it out at some point, yeah. Leo doesn't actually know who the mole is no. at that point. Why does he think he thinks what Matt are the is stakes the here? Game. Like, why does he bring him in? Like he's gotta bring him in, I guess. Somebody has to bring him in. But Yeah, because there's the mole. Yeah, like I think he goes to delete if, his file and he gets the password and he's making sure that like this guy's gonna be erased, and I don't understand why he's doing see, that at this
0: point. That's the thing. I don't know that there's it's like if Leo doesn't see the envelope yes right and Matt doesn't look at the computer file I don't think like yeah I I honestly think Matt Damon just kind of like semi-retires because what's he going to do take over the gang no he's just going to like just start unironically living his life and enjoying like I don't know like what that
1: does to you psychologically and after he kills Uh, Frank he's probably wants to do that anyway I don't know why he would come after Leo even if he knew who he was I right Whereas,
0: you know, but, but, but well, as soon as Leo saw the envelope, yeah, then the, obviously he had to, to do something for um, sure. But like, that's where I, I, I was kind of, I, I wasn't sure myself, but like, I, I know like once I think that that's the thing is like, Leo had to see the mission like, he's sacrificed so much of his life. And like you said, like,
1: Oh yeah. Cause that's him, the thing. Like it.
0: halfway through the film, it switched from like, we're trying to get Jack Nicholson Mm-hmm. To we're trying to find out the mole, like that's yeah. the like that's like because that's the thing. It's like uh, it, there's a little bit of tension about like you know how many murders, how many bodies, how many stuff like that. But then you realize it's like well we can't we got to do this in a way that we get Nicholson and we get the mole because if we just get Nicholson, then Ray Winstone will be the boss and we'll it's mm-hmm. you know we'll have a whole other generation of bullshit,
1: right? And we got to get so that, Leo out too. I think that was one of the core tensions toward the end of this. Movie had to get, as well. get 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 him out safe and
0: sound. So I but but you're right there was a little it felt like a little anticlimax but as soon as like leo falls and i i even wonder if matt damon finds out that leo i mean he already knows he's the mole mm-hmm. i don't know why he goes and looks all of his information up i'm not sure because yeah. he doesn't delete the shit he actually leaves and says all right i got you your money and everything's going to be fine i think that was played straight i don't and, and he goes back and deletes him once he finds out that he knows because of the envelope um that also kind of like the guy walks in his room and the envelope is in the exact same position. And it just like the the, the camera smash cuts to it. And he's like, oh, my God, there's a, there's a little bit. The movie kind of like is, is hoping that you're just caught up with it. And, and I was there is. yeah But, but yeah, yeah, ultimately, it, I guess it doesn't matter. Right. Because he does see the envelope. So once he sees the envelope, then the stakes are like, you know, super real yeah Um, but but it's like leo could just like get the fuck out of there and be like you know what i gave five years of my life fuck it i'm out but i think yeah like like there's that rage of like i've done this and it was for nothing because this guy's an fbi informant anyway who cares but now he's got the chance to really fucking
1: get this mole yeah so yeah it's good did you know this, this movie's uh produced by brad pitt I among, saw among that. Others. I, I wonder if this checks, eh? led, like, sort of indirectly to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where like Leo and Brad Pitt are both playing together. Interesting. Because yeah. you know how that works, right? Like, oh, I sure. did this movie with this one other person, and I mean, he's infamous for that. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, but yeah. Also, um, this
0: movie cost ninety million to make. Forty-five million of that was the payroll for the actors.
1: Christ. Involved. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. about
0: right. Some big, I bet. I bet Jack was about 10 of that at least. Yeah, so I mean, because I saw when I saw the budget 90 million, I'm like, what the fuck? What the shit? There was no de aging stuff, like, but yeah, yeah, apparently it was just uh, bringing all these guys on. Yeah, makes sense. Well, that's it. Mark Wahlberg fought it on the departed, Mm. and now we're here. Uh, we're ready to uh, we're ready to to pack up. Uh, next week we'll have another prestige film, it's going to be training day uh celebrating his twentieth anniversary. So you got that to look forward to. We're gonna be a little bit on the, the 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 crime and gangster bent a little bit longer. Uh but I'm excited. I haven't seen that one. I've heard about it. Uh you know it's fairly legendary and some of it's uh very quotable uh it's it's got to Raymond maybe. Cruz getting the shit pushed in bro I think <laughs> that's where this comes I'm I'm Was looking forward Hawk to finally and Ethan Hawk, Denzel. Denzel,
1: yeah. Uh Raymond Cruz and it's much more of an else. action like bad guy cop movie than this movie is. Gotcha. Uh, But I'm looking forward to checking that
0: out. Uh, That's what we'll be doing next week on Bald Move Prestige. I hope you enjoyed The Departed. Uh, If you haven't seen it for a while, it's a rewarding rewatch. And if you haven't seen it, uh, it's a great first watch, man. I hope you haven't listened to the whole podcast first because uh, man, the twists and turns are twisty and turny. Yeah. We'll be back next week with another one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.